welcome back to It's a Musical Podcast, the podcast show where I force my boyfriend to watch musicals he should have seen by now, and then we talk about them. I am the boyfriend. And I'm Drew. And today, I am in good company. Are you? Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris. Yes, indeed. And Patti Lapone. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. This is going to be a good show, I think. Yes, so we are watching Stephen Sondheim's Company today. When was this one filmed? So this is the 2011 New York Philharmonic version. It's cool. a pro shot and it's done in the a similar way to the way we watched Carousel yes. a while back where they have the Philharmonic on the stage but all of the acting and the scenes take place in front of it. I liked that as a format. Mm. It felt very much like the proms over here. Yeah. And it was quite nice. You know, I, I wonder how Carousel would look if it was just a production of Carousel. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I feel like we were missing scenery, whatever. So I wonder how that will impact company. Yeah. I don't think we lost that much from Carousel, though, and I don't think we lose that much from this. Yeah, that's good, though. I think this is a very interesting, you know, follow-up. Mm. When was company first written? Because obviously Carousel was older. Yeah, so company... First came to light in 1970, which is when the first performance was done off-Broadway. And it wasn't written to be a musical. Okay. Basically. So George Firth, who wrote the book, wrote 11 one-act plays Yeah. Um, to be planned for a specific actress to play each of the separate leads of the 11 plays. And he showed it to Anthony Perkins and said, would you like to direct this? And he was really interested. And then he asked for Stephen Sondheim to read the material. And after Sondheim read it, he asked Harold Prince what he thought about it. And Prince thought that the play would be a really good basis for a musical if you linked all of them somehow. Okay. So the theme of all of them was to do with relationships in New York City and they decided they just needed to introduce one new character who would be the connecting character between all of these relationships, basically. Okay. And Stephen Sondheim wrote the music and turned it into a musical. It's that simple. Yep, basically. It was nominated for 14 Tony Awards, which at the time was a record. Yeah. It won six. Cool. Which is pretty good wasn't up against anything you will have heard of because I actually looked it up this week in advance. You know what I'm going to ask. I know. You ask me every time. And you're never prepared. So that's really interesting. This starts off designed as a play Mm -hmm. and you're going to have... Well, a series of plays. Yeah, so 11 stories, Mm -hmm. 11 different actresses playing it. So it's very much an ensemble piece. No, no. So it was written as 11 different plays where one actress would play the character in each play, but 11 different characters. Oh, okay, got you. Yeah. So in this play, you look at 11 different stories, or is Okay, that's very cool. Yeah, but it's not 11 anymore. We've narrowed it down to To the the most important ones. Yeah. So, 1970s it debuts. Mm -hmm. Is that as... The Broadway show, uh, you know, with with the music from Sondheim, or is does that come a little later? Nope it it opened in Boston for out of town tryouts as a musical. Yeah, because they didn't do anything with it as the plays, but it collaboratively became 
the stage. And did the person who wrote it originally continue on and liaise with Sondheim and help develop? Or at that point, is it like, his job's done, we're now moving past him and looking to the future? Mm, It was more that... Well, so they, they still had a part to play in it, but it was more that, okay, this is a musical now. Yeah. And it's a Sondheim musical. So this is where the big <laughs> guns come in, essentially. Where in Sondheim's career does this come? Is this very early on or is this a like a career-defining moment for him? So he'd already written, up to this point, West Side Story and Gypsy and Anyone Can Whistle and amongst other things. He'd already written about six shows. Fun fact, I did not know Sondheim was involved in West Side Story. How did you not know that? I don't know. I just did not know <laughs> that that was a Sondheim production. Okay. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Was that his first? No, Saturday Night was his first okay. musical. West Side Story is the second musical. So, okay, he's already quite successful there. Mm-hmm. So it's a big deal for the fact that this play yeah. has gone straight to him. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's very interesting. So debuts... Nominated for 14 Tonys, wins six. Which six does it win? This won Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, Best Original Score. Then it lost Best Leading Actor and Best Leading Actress, which I think was a shame. Who originated the roles? Are they anyone I'm I'm aware of? Larry Kurt and Susan Browning. So no, no, not people you'll be aware of. And then it won Best Direction. Best scenic design, and that is it. Okay. Yeah. So, big success. Mm-hmm. Usually, every week you tell me, and it was the longest running thing on Broadway. <laughs> no, it wasn't. However, we have had a lot of revivals. Yes. Yeah. So, how show. long did it last before it kind of stopped? You know, obviously, critically successful, mm-hmm. but was it as commercially successful? There were mixed reviews. Okay. Ranging from people being like this is brilliant it's amazing like this is sometimes best work to date yeah. kind of thing to the most horrific quote i i saw about this show which was by variety okay who said that as it stands now this is for the out of town preview yeah as it stands now it's for ladies matinees gay people that's not the word that they used and misogynists. Jeez, okay. Which is a super interesting take, I think. Yeah, that's yeah amazing that that would be allowed to be printed, but I guess... I know, right? 70s. Yeah. It opened on Broadway in the Alvin Theatre in 1970 yeah. and closed on January 1st, 1972, after 705 performances. So that's not so bad. It's, it's obviously good. It's a decent done run. well. Mm-hmm. Set design... Had they had like a load of like vertical scaffolding essentially mm-hmm. with two working elevators. Wow. <laughs> yeah, on stage. So that because it's set in like apartments yeah. because New York and where do relationships happen in New York? So so that the main character can go and visit these separate apartments, there's elevators because there's a scene in an elevator and then there's a scene in this apartment and then yeah. he goes from that apartment to this apartment and like okay. It's all about that. So, mm-hmm. they've written in a character to link these stories. If it's originally actresses, yeah, 
that must mean that it's this a male character is written in mm-hmm. to link the stories. So I'm now imagining that this is going to be Barney Stinson the musical. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> you get what I mean though. Like Neil Patrick Harris being cast in this is a choice. He is a phenomenal singer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely adore Neil Patrick Harris. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I've ever seen a performance by him that I would not watch again. Yeah. From How I Met Your Mother, obviously. Mm-hmm. I love him in Howard and Kumar. He plays like an over-the-top version of himself. Haven't seen that, but okay. It's what got him the role as Barney Simpson, funnily enough. Oh, cool. In Glee, he's... We've talked about how <laughs> we needed more from him yeah, in Glee. Yeah, why isn't he in more? But his version of Dream On, I love. Mm-hmm. And obviously, all the different like musical moments for the Tonys, for the Oscars... He's phenomenal. And then we watched Gone Girl as well. And he's great in Gone Girl. Yeah. Which is very weird because he's, I would say, playing very against type. Yeah, absolutely. So he's he's very talented musically, mm-hmm. but is also a very funny performer, I think. Yeah. So I am thinking that this is going to be Barney Stinson and he's or, or that type of character. Mm-hmm. And this is a musical about all his different like conquests. And maybe one of those conquests will shine through. Or maybe not as maybe just like a day in the life. Like the people he encounters. Patty Lapone's gonna be older than him. Patty Lapone is a lot older than him. Yeah, so like unless he's like Bialy from the producers, you know. <laughs> sure. But we're essentially, I think, looking at different relationships. Maybe some of them are conquests, maybe some of them are more personal relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm intrigued though. I like that idea of something that you had a play that was multiple different characters. Yeah. Played by the same actress, which very demanding, I can imagine. Does Patty Lapone play individual like Oh, so when this became the stage musical, we stopped having one character playing multiple okay, one so, actress playing multiple characters. So you've got all these different characters now yeah. and they've cut them from eleven maybe down to six and combined them. Yeah. No, I think there's still eleven characters. Okay. Or maybe it's 10 or 11 characters. It's probably still 11, actually. Cool. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to name all I'm the trying characters to think in of my them, head. Yeah. So in 1971, while the show was still on Broadway, we got the first American tour. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. We can't come to Broadway, so let's bring it to you. Yep, absolutely. Which then ran until 1972 as well. So mm-hmm. that a year tour is which is pretty good. Yeah. Then we got the original London production, which opened in 1972 at Her Majesty's Theatre. Did it have many of the same cast? Like, did they come yeah, from America? Yeah, they brought a couple of the, the original cast over. Like, Larry Kurt, who was... He wasn't the original Bobby. He was in... So he was the original... Bobby is the name of yeah. the main character, by the way. Um, he was the original Bobby in previews. Then they had a different actor play him in the Broadway run, and then he took over as the second Bobby, and then he came to England. Well, he was the one that was nominated for a Tony. Yes. And then Elaine Stritch was in it as well, which I think is very cool. I then, don't know who that is. Oh, you would if I showed you a picture of her. Okay, cool. Then they got the Australian production in 1986. Then a 1993 reunion concert in America, which I think is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which was hosted by Patti Lapone, 
because she wasn't in it at this point. That's very cool then. Like... Yeah, it was just like a hosted concert with all yeah. of them there. Then a 1995 revival on Broadway. Then a 1995 London revival, which is very cool. And the 1995 London revival was the first one to have a black actor play Bobby cool. as well, which was very cool. It's Adrian Lester. Then there was a Kennedy Center production. Basically, from this show was like a big deal. Yeah. Which included at the Kennedy Center, John Barrowman playing Bobby. That's really awesome. Yeah. Which is really cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> we love John Barrowman. We do love John Barrowman. Yes, we do. It's interesting that you say the London debut came so soon after the American one. Because mm-hmm. we talked in the past about sometimes the sometimes shows take a, while, a yeah. long time. Mm-hmm. it's interesting it's kind of ends and let's just bring it over was it received well over here like you mentioned how there was some complaints in america over it but yeah no it did very well over here people yeah. generally liked it it ran for a while because and... we've also found sometimes on this show that some that don't perform very well in america perform better here mm-hmm. but actually sometimes ones that perform really well in america don't translate well here yeah because they're just like too american you know mm. so that's interesting that this one had a bit more praise yeah it did pretty well here people liked it people liked that it, they didn't uh i don't know if there's a word for this the opposite of americanize yeah anglicize yeah yeah i guess they didn't make the characters english they kept yeah. it set in america and new york and they didn't change anything basically that's good. which i think is always a good thing I think there's shows where you can change stuff like that. Yeah, there's this not one many of them. very yeah. American. But it's like last week we asked, can a chorus line be changed location? No, it is a Broadway mm-hmm. show. Yeah. So then there's the 2007 Australian production. Yeah. And then the one that we're watching, the 2011 New York Philharmonic concert. Then we got a 2018 West End revival. Cool. Which had Patti Lapone come over to perform in that one that's amazing and the character bobby became a female character oh okay yeah so it was she was played by rosalie craig and it was the first one to show a same-sex couple in the show. i'm very interested to know that before we watch this because mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to kind of look at this and think where those relationships will, will obviously change and I guess, how meaning changes. And then because that one did so well with a female lead, they transferred it back to Broadway with Patti LuPone, but with another actress playing the female lead. And it got uh, Olivier nominations for Best Revival, which it deserved. I think this is a show where you can make those changes and it's absolutely fine. That's good. doesn't make a whole lot of difference. I like that when shows... We've talked in the past, you know, privately when we reminisce about shows, that there are shows that very much are designed in a way that they have to constantly be performed that way, depending on who the role is originated by mm-hmm. or, or whatever, that sometimes this show will always have to be this. Yeah. And obviously we saw it with Oklahoma as well, that uh, they changed it massively by having... I can't remember for the life of me the the actor's name, but obviously they changed the role by casting a disabled performer. And they set that kind of standard that this can be performed by anyone now. Oh, Ali Stoker. Yes, Ali. Mm -hmm. And I think that's awesome, you know, because up until that point, this is, that's not, 
that's not something anyone would think of doing. But going forward now, it opens yeah. up the possibility to, mm. hey, anything can be done with this role now. Yeah. So that, you know, to me... It's, it's like there's a, there was a, a very incredibly well-made production of Spring Awakening, which yes. I know you haven't seen... Where they That's had the death, death one. Yeah, actors playing the leads, which was incredible. That if if you ever get a chance to see any of that, even if it's just clips, like watch it. It's oh yeah, so good. But I think this is very very cool that there are shows that give people the opportunity to be more inclusive, but mm. also push limits and can be redefined depending on the area they're performed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stephen Sondheim once asked William Goldman whether he would be interested in writing a screenplay for a filmed version yeah. of the musical, and he said no. So, <laughs> Which I think is great. He was just like, no. That <laughs> actually leads me on to a question that I've never asked you before that mm. I might actually have to ask going forward. Is What's your history with this show? Um, I've seen the production, the West End production in 2018, yep. with Patti Lapone and... Rosie Lee Rosie Craig. Craig. Which was great. Yep. I didn't know anything about it before I saw that version. I knew it was a Sondheim. I love Patti Lapone. Yep. I would die for Patti Lapone. Yeah. Um, but, and I'd seen Rosalie Craig in something else before, but I can't remember what yeah. off the top of my head. And I thought it was brilliant. And I was like, oh, this is so good. This is fantastic. And then I knew that Raul Esparza had been Bobby in another version of it. Which I also knew from seeing the Patti Lapone one that Bobby was typically played by a man and that they changed it on purpose for this one. So I looked and I watched the Raul Esparza version and I was like, oh, this is great. And then I sort of fell into a little rabbit hole yeah. of watching older versions of it and how different it is when the main character is a guy. Mm. Because personally, I think she's a lot more likable as a woman. We said that about Mark with Rent, and I'm sure we'll say yeah. it again. I don't, and I can't tell you why I think that until yeah. we've watched it. No, I think that's interesting. I don't always touch on how you know this show. Mm-hmm. You know, is this a show that you've seen live or just seen recordings of? And the fact that there's no film, mm-hmm. this is a stage experience then to me that yep. people aren't willing to compromise and do that. And I think that's always interesting as well that, you know, we get movie musicals and adaptations, but... You lose a lot in translation. Mm-hmm. And actually, is that more damaging to the reputation of your show? By Yeah. You know. And I think the Hamilton Pro Shot will have... I mean, there's so many great ones anyway that have been released the past year mm-hmm. where we are getting, you know, the shows must go on. And we're seeing a lot of these ones anyway. And there are so many good pro shots out there. But I think Hamilton has especially popularised it now because, yeah. because of the phenomenon that it is. Mm-hmm. That as a result streaming services are now going to look for hey what pro shots can we get there yeah and maybe that's a way for company to exist going forward oh absolutely it's the kind of thing where i always wonder how many people saw lay miz yes the hugh jackman one and thought wow i'm never gonna go and see that well because in- i saw and we we could do a whole episode talking about that mm-hmm. that version of lay miz but i saw that and the stage show within a week of each other for my brother's birthday and which one did you see first film yeah and i watched the film and was so underwhelmed and so not like wowed by it and then the stage just the difference in the music and the score yeah just 
like blew my mind. Well, so this is interesting because my brother saw the film first Mm -hmm. and he was familiar with the soundtrack because I went through a period of time where I got the soundtrack. I saw it in year eight and Mm -hmm. I got a soundtrack for a birthday the next year and loved it and we'd sit and we'd play animal crossing on the gamecube and because <laughs> you're 100 years old <laughs> yeah but like we'd be sitting as a family in my bedroom watching it and i remember yeah. we had master of the house come on mm-hmm. and my brother and my younger brother were dancing to it they end up falling through my bed and i had a broken bed as a result excellent but he was familiar with it but he hadn't seen it he mm-hmm. probably wasn't going to see it then he saw the film and he loved it because it made a lot more sense he went travelling to Australia a few years ago, I think back in... Oh, the Australian tour of Les Mis is amazing. And he saw Les Mis in Australia, mm-hmm. possibly at the Sydney Opera House. Cool. But yeah. the reason he was so fixated on going to see it then was because of the film. Right. He might yeah, not but have seen it. I think it could go either way, yeah. is my point. But I think, you know, it's interesting you say people are, are adamant, no, there's not going to be a company film. Mm-hmm. Because maybe it just doesn't translate. Yeah, so based on the the reasoning that was given for saying, no, I don't want to make a film of this, is that there would need to be changes made, like a lot of changes made, for this to be a film now. Okay. Because it's another one, like Chorus Line, where this is set whenever you make it. Yeah. So the version we watch, we're going to watch, came out in 2011, therefore it's set in 2011. And that's just because it's focused on people and yeah. not on the setting so much. And New York, like, is a nice setting because there's not going to be a lot of change in yeah. modern times. So it's changes in character and changes in cool. things. That Final question before mm-hmm. we start. Mm. How was this version received? Very well. Good. Okay. Basically, Neil Patrick Harris and Patty Lapone and the rest of the absolutely phenomenal cast for this were very, very well. Received. Good. Well, there's one review they've not had yet. Mm-hmm. And that's yours. I mean, it's not a review that matters, but <laughs> it's, it's my review. <laughs> so I think it is time to uh, strap ourselves in mm-hmm. and and make some new friends. Let's make some new company. Maybe and, too much company. <laughs> and we will be back very, very shortly. Somebody crowd me with love Somebody force me to care Somebody make me come through I'll always be there As frightened as you To help us survive Being alive Being alive Being alive And we are back we sure are. Indeed. And we have good company. Yeah, of course, always. Always. Just, <laughs> you are the only company I need, I think. I'm the only company you are allowed to see at the <laughs> moment, so. Touché. This is a great show. Yeah. Like, straight off the bat, this is a really great show, and I love the concept for it. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole 
non-linear but also separate stories like you can see where this was just monologues before and separate stories of different married couples mm -hmm. and i think they've done a really good job throwing bobby's story into it yeah of like the one single friend in amongst this whole group of married people oh yeah for sure and the only thing i'm kind of missing out on is like the context simply because some of them are a lot older than him mm -hmm. and i i quite but you like, want to know how they know each other yes right like i would just like something that says how he met each kind of couple <laughs> you know because some of them you get the sense of like they may be college friends yeah but you want a how i met your mother no how he met all his friends <laughs> i mean i'm just gonna say this now that i think sometimes when you cast someone you obviously you are casting someone very talented in your patrick harris mm -hmm. however I think the problem with him in this, the one problem I have is the fact that there are moments when he's just so Barney. Yeah. That if he was never in How I Met Your Mother, I'd never yeah, see that. Yeah, you can't separate him from that. Yeah. Especially because of the way that his character's portrayed. Well, that's it. And it's not his fault because I think he does a tremendous job, mm -hmm. especially at being quite like humble at times. The character or yeah. Patrick Harris? No, the character. So right. Bobby is humble. But then you get to, I think, midway through the second act. And he goes into Barney Stinson mode. Oh, sure. Which isn't an issue. This character existed before that. It's just, you know, Neil mm -hmm. Patrick Harris played a very popular character on a show I love. Yeah. That's a very minor nitpick of mine. But I think sometimes when you're casting people, you obviously... You're casting them with their history yeah sure and i probably wouldn't have made that connection had it been someone else in that role yeah so we did also have access to the raul esparza version and we could have watched that but i just thought you'd appreciate the neil patrick harris yeah. one a little bit more i, I yeah. love the raul esparza version i think it's great really hope i'm pronouncing his name correctly yeah. but it does change it because neil patrick harris is kind of immediately likable and that probably is because i just like him as yeah. an actor and... and as a person like he always comes across mm -hmm. so wholesome like you see the picture of his family all out for halloween, oh, just, halloween costumes you great. know he's such a, a nice and person i really like raul esparza the first mm. thing i ever saw him in was hannibal which he's not a likable character in that but yeah he's so interesting mm. so then when i saw that he was in a production of company i was like oh i'll, I'll watch that I'm yeah like, and he is not as likable as Bobby. But I do think it definitely comes down to a, you know, it, it's it's no one's fault. It just, it's the parallels, isn't it? If mm -hmm. you well, I think it's people. the same thing with Patty Lapone's character, yeah. Joanna, where I'm like, I love her. Great. Because it's Patty Lapone and the way that she plays her. I don't think I've been exposed to Patty Lapone before. It's like I know the name. No, you won't have been. So for me, it's not the same, but obviously it is what it is, isn't it? You know, mm -hmm. um, famous actors are always going to get that as an they issue. They come with their previous works. Oh, exactly. So it's not an issue. I mean, I remember joking when Matt Smith was cast in mm -hmm. uh, Terminator with Amelia Clark and he was like time traveling. I'm like, well, pfft. 
looks like you've cast the doctor in a time travel thing you know like it is just an unfortunate yeah coincidence we talked a little bit in the the preamble mm-hmm. about the sets and how the set be minimal yeah but it works so well like before we get into kind of the the main essence of this show like i just wanted to talk about how much i loved the sets you know having the chairs the little sofas on the the casters that they could be wheeled in and out yeah nice and easy to create a range of different places Mm -hmm. but also just the little tv screens in the backdrop yep and the fact that the conductor is on a raised platform And the bottom of that platform pulls out into a bed and yeah. it's also got drawers in it. Yeah. It's they they've literally kept it to the bare essentials. Yeah. But it works. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't matter that I'm looking at the same sofas in everyone's house. It it really doesn't matter because it just Yeah. You are absorbed in this world. And it's just amazing sometimes when we're so used to musicals being big, elaborate set pieces with amazing costumes and amazing scenery. Mm-hmm. Like think of wicked for instance yeah does that show work in this setting probably not no but this show just so many simple things that were just beautiful mm-hmm. and and I mean, I mean very cool effect having the title come up on each on the of the screens. tv's yeah spelling out company mm-hmm. great start so we're watching this as company starts playing and i'm looking at the cast list wow yeah Obviously, you sold it to me with Neil Patrick Harris and Patti Lapone. Yes. Christina Hendricks. Mm-hmm. I didn't know she could sing. Yeah, she's great, isn't she? Yeah. And John Cryer. Didn't mm-hmm. know he could sing. Yeah. And it was quite nice to see a more muted version of him in this. Like, I was really, really impressed with the cast list. Mm-hmm. We also have Anika Noni Rose, who is the voice of Princess Tiana. Yes. For Disney. And also Stephen Colbert. Yes. Who... We was really Matrix. praised for, for this. In all of the reviews of this version, he's very highly praised for stepping away from his sort of showman personality. Yes. And being a quite muted character. Well, so this is the thing. Is obviously, we've talked a little bit about how Neil Patrick Harris is Barney. Mm-hmm. I didn't even register that was him until yeah. like... Because he was so different mm-hmm. there's also somebody we had no idea was in it until they yeah. showed up also uh one of our favorite people on the podcast ariana debose who is the bullet girl in hamilton and also is Alyssa green in the prom yeah who and we love her and it was such a weird random moment she's one of the they have a a little title the backup character is called the vocal minority <laughs> which I think is very cool. Yeah. But yeah, she's also a dancer in yeah. the dance sequence. And that's when I realised it was her. It was her so I was yeah. like, oh my God. And that was very cool. So this is a fantastic cast. Mm-hmm. So we start and it's a surprise party. Yes. And I can't hear, I, I can't even think of the term, it's a surprise party without thinking of My Chemical Romance. So it's like a very famous um, live concert they did. And it's like me and my mum will say it to each other all the time. And like Gerard Way is... One of my biggest loves. Yeah. I'm so in love with him. And it's just the sexiest, like, surprise party thing he does. And I just, you know, I hear surprise party, I think of Gerard Way. Okay. Well, I hear surprise party and I think of company, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to show you because it is just oh, mm-hmm. beautiful. I think it's hilarious that he gets home from wherever he's been. Yes. Presumably one of his girlfriend's places in hindsight... And sits down on the couch and is like exhausted. And then we just hear 
the funniest little giggle, like the pr- a proper gremlin Elaine Page yeah. giggle. And he's like, who's there? As if somebody who is robbing his house is going to giggle like that. He knows. Yeah. I uh, I really liked this as, a, as an opening. Mm-hmm. It's his 35th and he delivers it in the most brilliant monologue, which you don't get that sort of monologue delivery in musical theatre. For an opening, no, definitely yeah. not. And it's, it's a really nice way to introduce this character, but the world he lives in. Mm-hmm. And I think the unison between all of his friends is great. It gives the impression that, like, at this point, you don't necessarily know if they're all there or mm-hmm. if this is a case of he's been doing this several times today. Yeah. Because they all speak at once and it's it's a very cool effect. And obviously they are all there together, mm-hmm. which is nice. Uh, and and we get some really great lines, especially from Patty Lapone, who says it's not the gift, it's the price that counts. Yeah, so she's we already know that Joanna is older than everyone else and yes. that she's really jaded yes. about things and that she has no time for anyone's optimism. No. But I think you get enough of a sense of these characters mm-hmm. very, very quickly. Oh, yeah. That's From, what I mean. Yeah. In that one line. You know everything you need to know. Yeah. And I think it's a, one of the interesting things about this, because it is so, like, mini stories. Mm-hmm. Some of the characters, I think, don't get enough time compared to others. Like, Patty Lapone's big moment doesn't come until so much later on, and... You know, it's weird because she is such a phenomenal star, but it's, mm. it's kind of like bizarre that she's not a focal point throughout. But isn't that kind of nice? But they, yeah, exactly. That's something I really loved about this, that it is an ensemble company. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got some really talented named actors who are maybe have five, ten minutes and then that's it. Their kind of narrative is over. Yeah. And they'll come back for key moments, but that's it. We're not going to see... And it's very realistic. We're not going to see what happens to some of these marriages after this point. Yeah. We just accept that this is where they're at. As soon as we leave, we don't know what's going on. We see it through Bobby's eyes. Yeah. So he gets a chance to light his candles. I'm going to miss blowing out candles. That's, that's I'm not. such I, an archaic thing I, nowadays. I don't like the fuss of birthdays. I know you Just don't. generally, we could talk about that for a while. However... I have always thought it was weird that we let people spit on our food before we eat it. And I didn't like it before COVID. And I probably can't say COVID on here. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it before the before the world Before changed. the dark times. Before the dark times came. And I will enjoy not having to do it anymore. I know. It just, but interesting, there were no candles there. It's almost like they knew. Yeah. <laughs> but he didn't wish for anything. And he also didn't manage to blow his candles out. Although we're going to come back to that moment later on, Mm -hmm. which in hindsight is kind of interesting. Yeah. So he he gets not a lot of them blown out. Yeah. And they're all like, oh. And some of his friends say that even though he didn't blow all of them out, it's okay. He'll still get his wish. And Patty LuPone's like, no, you won't. Nope. That's not how the wish works. Yeah. I like the way they all... Do the Barbie, Barbie. You Barbie, know. baby, Barbie, Barbie. Yeah, I love that. I think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. It's a really nice, like, layering effect. And, you know, just one word. Yeah. And delivery and, you know, pet names. It's such an interesting, mm-hmm. like, cacophony of sound. But I've already got the sense, you know, 
his friends are very consuming and they're worried because he's 35 and unmarried. Yes. The horror. The horror. I mean, fair. Like, you probably expect to be married by the time you're 35. However, I'm wondering how much of that is a result of his consuming, overbearing friends. Yes. Because it's like they expect a lot from him. They expect a lot of attention from him. But then also expect him to go out and make his own way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because even in the titular song, Company, they're saying to him, like, come over for dinner. We've been trying to call you. Where are you? Our kids mm. have been asking to see you. Yeah. All of the, like, these all-encompassing things. And then turn around and are like, well, why aren't you going out and seeing women? Yeah. It's like, well, I'm busy. <laughs> We get the moving chairs, which is so, so awesome because the stagehands are also singing. They mm-hmm. are the chorus. I think that's such a clever, like, bit of magic. Yes. You know, I think the great thing about this show is it's not trying to hide the fact that, you know, this is a show. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, obviously, when you are putting on your theatre brain, you want to make smooth transitions, but you want to maintain the integrity to this world you're building up yeah but the power of this because it's non-linear because it's thought-provoking as opposed to you know sucks you into the story you can forget about those things yeah Uh, you can just got some really clever ways of doing it and there's a really awesome tableau to end and i love how it slowly falls apart with everyone like leaving oh yeah they pose for his birthday photo yes and then they all start to sort of trickle away until it's just Bobby left with Sarah and Harry. Yeah. But I really love that because it gets them off stage well, but it also builds a sense of this is what their world is. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I kind of tried to split this up as, as I was writing notes. Like, when does one story end and the new story start? So, yes, we do go to Harry's and Sarah's and this is like scene two. Yeah. So we get a series of sort of vignettes yeah. of him visiting his friends but they're not in any particular order. Yeah. And it's not chronological. However, I would say there's one where it's clear. When it's set. Well, I, I would say there's there's very much one couple story. So the only couple we, we see twice, mm-hmm. where you can see that one was before and this is what happened next. Oh, so Act 2 is chronological. Oh, is it? Yeah, but Act okay. 1 isn't. Interesting. Act 1 is just a year in the life, in whatever order. And how does Bobby... How do we measure a measure year? A year. So yes. In visits to his friend's house, apparently. Harry has been supposedly on the wagon for a year. And a half. And a half. <laughs> well, he says a year and a half, but Sarah says a year. He quit after he was arrested. The second time. The second time. Yeah. Which is the one he counts. She counts from. Yes. He counts from the first. And it's very clear that like this on the wagon is the loosest term. It's like, I'm on a diet. How are you? You're eating like a big juicy burger and a knicker blocker glory Sunday. Like, yeah, you know, like, how's that diet going? And he keeps rubbing food in her face. Yeah. And I like this. They are clearly like that dysfunctional couple who, who, who like really love each other, really love each other. But also at the same time, you kind of get the sense of like, that spark is there, but not there as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like having Bobby there is what keeps them together. Yeah. Like they have a project. Yes. And without Bobby, it's like when the kids leave. Sure. <laughs> what happens to a married couple when the kids go? It's like, oh, we have nothing to talk about. 
And it's kind of like what Bobby is with them is mm-hmm. they are bickering, but it doesn't come from a place of this marriage needs to end. It just comes from a, I don't know, like a, a long term relationship. Yeah, that comfort of a long term relationship. He pours a lot of bourbon into because he really wants them. Yeah. Oh yeah, but he licks his fingers as well after it. So it's like you great job on the wagon there. And uh, yeah, the one of the things I noticed in this is that when the orchestra aren't actively performing, they just sit and they just watch. Yeah. And it was really nice because you could see there was a blonde woman at this point who just sat and smiled and was laughing as she watched this. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many times they've actually watched this show at this point because rehearsals and however long the run is. But it just seemed like they were still enjoying it. So because of the way that this show was done and it was done as a concert, this was only performed four times. Okay. And because it's an all-star cast and they were sort of committed to other projects at the time. Yeah. The rehearsal for it was limited to a few days. Wow. And a lot of the bigger numbers were taught to the cast separately. Yeah. So specifically side by side by side. Cool. Including the dance break was taught to them all individually and they had one rehearsal to put it all together. Jeez. Well, I mean... It looks like the sort of thing that they've been working on solidly for I know, a month. right? So again, speaks to the, the sheer talent of this cast anyway. Yeah. But yeah, it's just nice. It's it's something that obviously they're filming this. And if you sat there and you just had like somebody just yawning in the background, that's going to take you out of yeah, it. Yeah, but they all look like they're enjoying it. They do. It. They all look like they're enjoying it. Sarah is a food voyeur. She wants to enjoy Robert eating the brownie. And then he reveals that he didn't know that they weren't drinking and eating. And I'm thinking to myself, are you a bad friend? You know, like, I don't know him well enough and I don't know his his group's dynamic well enough at this point. It's a very interesting first choice. Mm. So he, he doesn't know what's going on in their lives. But obviously they've all made an effort to come to his birthday. And it's like, at this point, I've yet to figure out it's non-linear. Yeah. Interesting choice to have that there because it does momentarily just make you think he's a bad friend because he's so self-absorbed. You told me that this was the story of him. A man has three girlfriends and I thought, is he so self-absorbed? I'm still thinking Barney Stinson at this point where he's got a different girl every night and he doesn't know what's going on in his friend's life. Oh, I see. No, I think it's more that they're willing to talk about themselves in their own home. But not. Yeah. But not when the focus is on him, so when they're at his house, or when they're in a group. Yeah. And because of that, they just don't talk about it. But also, it's the little things you don't talk about. Oh, yeah. And I, I think it's a testament, having seen the whole thing, testament to how comfortable they feel with him. Because you guarantee if Joanna was around, that wouldn't be what was going on. Mm. It's like, and if you had another couple over you, because he's the single friend, yeah, you can get away with this stuff. But I just feel like had this scene been maybe one or two stories later, I would never have thought, is he a bad friend? But would I have thought that if they'd obviously put, I'm not getting married here, Mm -hmm. I think whatever scene, there's going to be moments thinking, oh, he's a bad friend. Yeah. They both cave in their voices. So they eat the brownie and he takes a drink. Mm -hmm. And... We find out that Sarah has supposedly been going to karate, karate which they think is wrestling. There's a great moment before because she's like, I've lost weight. Look, I can fit 
a whole fist down my my, my pants. trousers, yeah. And then Harry's like, "Look, I can do the same," and he puts his fist right where his genitals would be and yeah. and go like eye level with neil patrick harris and it's neil patrick so, harris is just sat there like yep, it's so funny he just goes look i could put my fists down my pants too and it's just funny like you get a really nice sense of the character's bond yeah and, and it is that kind of thing yeah. where like when you're in a long-term relationship you hear the same stories over and over again mm, yeah so he's reached a point of being sick of hearing about how she can fit a whole fist down her trousers because that's how much weight she's lost yeah, it's a but really it nice, funny. yeah, really nice moment. So it's karate magazines, and Harry wants a karate exhibit. And exhibition. Yeah, yeah. She takes him out with a judo chop. Yep, and he's like, "I could have blocked that if I wanted to." And she's like, "That can't be blocked. It can't be. It just can't be." And he blocks it. Yeah, and, and she's it's like, "Oh, I see." <laughs> and it's really fun because we got like this nice little back and forth. But it does become a little bit more heated. It's kind of like they are taking that that aggression out in this playful manner. Mm-hmm. Like it's that kind of, you know how as teachers, you or you know when when you have kids, you be like it's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt. Yeah. This is very much on on the edge of that line. It's about to fall off, and like descend into chaos mm-hmm. if Bobby oh, doesn't get control. I liked. Little things you do together. Yeah, this is a great song with, from Patti Lupone. So Joanne, because she is the most cynical, yeah, and the most divorced. I think this is her third or fourth. Yeah, um, she sings the little things you do together, and it's a very sarcastic, excellent song about things that make marriage work. Yeah, what makes marriage a joy? I got the sense that Patti is not happy in her current relationship. I. I feel like you just get the sense that Patty, Joanne, Patty's character, is yeah. not happy in general. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really matter whether she's in a relationship Which is going to be very interesting. I like that she's, like, the last story. Mm-hmm. It's like you're built up with this impression of her that when it gets to her story, it makes it very interesting. Yeah. If you had that at the start or at the middle, it wouldn't have the same power. Mm-hmm. But the comedy of this is really nice. We go to Sorry Grateful. Yep. Harry, do you ever regret marriage? And this song just comes across almost like marriage is pain. It's like that I miss you, but stop smothering me. That can't live with, can't live without. You know, it's like you're sorry, but you're grateful. Yeah. It's like he loves her, but he misses the freedom. But he doesn't know what he'd do without her. It's like an interest. It feels very real. It's not romanticized. Mm-hmm. And considering they're also desperate to like convince Robert to commit, yeah, they're amazingly candid and like open about it. But it becomes more romantic because it's like, yeah, maybe my life would be better without, but I like my life with, and mm-hmm. I'm not willing to take that chance. And I'm sorry that I'm not free, but I'm grateful that I'm not free. It's a really interesting song and dynamic here, especially because later on because this is non-linear, later on, there's that whole song where the all of Bobby's male friends yeah. have found him all these wonderful girls yes. to hook up with and they are just trying to live vicariously through him. Mm-hmm. And so this song is like a nice quiet moment where yes. he's saying, no, I actually am glad that I married her. Yes. But I'm still going to live vicariously through you. What's interesting though as well is there's five couples... 
and there's only three husbands here. So, you know, he's obviously asking these questions anyway about marriage to his friends. Yeah. But I think it's very interesting that this is the response he's maybe got from three of them. Mm-hmm. So you get the sense of which men are happier yeah. than the men that aren't happy. And I think mm-hmm. that's quite interesting as well. Like, they didn't bring all of the men on for this show. Well, you couldn't bring Paul and Amy on for this part. Like, Paul, because they're not yeah. married yet. Yeah. Well, I mean, it depends on the chronology, doesn't it? When is this one base compared to the other ones? Yeah, I think, I feel like this half is chronological and then the second half is chronological. I don't know. It's confusing. I think him visiting his friends is just random points throughout this year. Yeah. And then the wedding takes place closer to his next birthday, which is why he's starting to have like a marriage panic. I would like to see this show done chronologically, just because I'd be interested to see how it changes. From this number, we meet Peter and Susan. Yep. Very, very short scene, which mm. I thought was very interesting, especially considering how long that one was and how long Jenny and David's going to be in a minute. Yeah. You know, I wrote half a page at this point just for this scene because it's so short. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful to have a terrace in New York. Is it? Because you worry about the kids falling, you worry about bird poop, and you worry about people listening in. Yep. I can. If we, we lived in New York and we had a terrace... I don't think I'm letting the kids on it. And I don't think I'm going on it. It's bad enough with the terrace we have in a three-story. Ours is hardly a terrace. Okay, yeah. It's it's a literally like a metre block. But like, I'm bad enough stepping onto that at the best of times. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I I empathise with this conversation. I talked a few weeks ago about how much I dislike heights. Mm -hmm. Bobby likes Susan's southern gentleness and he says if you ever leave her i want to be the first to know <laughs> you're the first to know yeah that's a really nice little moment mm-hmm. like just really really good writing yep and yeah they're getting a divorce and he's the first to know mm-hmm. and he's like i didn't mean it <laughs> yeah <laughs> basically please don't split up mommy and daddy yeah it that is how he reacts it's yeah. like his parents are telling him as an adult that they're splitting up and he's not really sure how to deal with it. No. Because they also have kids. Yeah. And that's it. And I was kind of like wanting to know what happened next. I was really like, is that all we're getting from these guys? Mm -hmm. And then we go to Jenny and David. And they're experimenting with marijuana. Yes. And Jenny doesn't feel anything. Even though she's had two... I don't... Two or three? I can't remember. I think... I don't think she's had two or three joints. I think she's had two or three tokes. Does that mean like... Puffs. Right, okay. I'm not sure, but she's... De- I'm not cool, as you will learn in this episode, guys. She's definitely high, though. Yeah, she is. She's very definitely high, and she talks at top speed. Yes. Like, she's out of an episode of Gilmore Girls for, yep. like, a full minute, and then goes, huh, maybe I am high. Yeah, Dave is just stoned and gazing out. Yep. And... He... Is he's, my least favourite character. Yes, he's my least favourite character, but I think one of my favourite performances. Mm. I think it's a character you were supposed to dislike. Yeah, he's one of the ones that leaves me with the most questions. Yeah, but I think he's phenomenally performed by John Cryer. Sure. Because I think... He, the guy, he's the guy from... Two and a Half Men. Yeah. I think you've got enough vulnerability to him, but you've also got enough, like... Enough to make you make assumptions about this character 
yeah. on a very limited, like, ten-minute basis. Mm-hmm. They start sort of grilling him about why he isn't married. And Bobby claims he's not against the idea of being married. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have a problem with it, and he wants to do it eventually. But not, like, right now. Yeah. And I just, I thought this was a really fun sequence as a whole. I thought there was some really nice comedy in it. Mm -hmm. And there's some weird lines. So he says to... Jenny, you're the girl I should have married. I'm just thinking. He also they... said that to Susan. Yes. And he's also very much, you know. It just, it made me wonder, but did they used to date? Like, no. what's their background? So it's a weird overarching thing across the whole show, which is that Bobby would like to date a girl who is a mix of all of his female yes. friends. And we see that he says to almost every single one of his female friends, except Joanna, that he would marry them. And he's like, oh, yeah, I should have married someone like you. I should mm. I should have been with you, like, before this guy yeah. got you kind of thing. But it is simultaneously sort of a nicety mm. in the way we saw with Peter and Susan and also wishful thinking. Oh, yeah. It's very interesting. And yeah. I think at this point, it's again like, wow, do they stay? Obviously, clearly, they don't later on. It becomes clear. But it's just nice. You're seeing bits and you're starting to form assumptions that then are disproven. Mm -hmm. Dave says sometimes he'd like to be single again. And obviously, Jenny is a little upset by that. Yeah. He says, you know, maybe maybe just for a day. And she goes, yeah. Could you make it two? Yeah. And we get the line, I have everything. But freedom, which is everything. Huh. Yeah. He definitely feels, that of all the wet marriages, this is the one that really does feel like it doesn't work. Yeah. This one feels like it should be falling apart and weirdly it isn't. Yeah. But I think that's because Dave realises that he has a wife who is crazy about him. Mm -hmm. And he's like, she did this for me. You know, she. this isn't for her. This isn't something she enjoys. She did this for me. And it's almost like he's aware that he's very lucky that he has somebody who compromises. And the one thing that's keeping him with her is because he knows if he leaves her, he's not going to enjoy it. Because, yes, he'll be able to live like Robert, but he's not going to find somebody who will put up with things he enjoys like Jenny does. Which is why I don't like him. He's staying with her for the wrong reasons. I appreciate why you think that. Yeah. And at face value, I agree with you. Yes. However, he claims that Jenny did not want to smoke with them and that she's only done it to uh, please them. Yes. Despite the fact that she of her own free will asks for another one. Yes. And is enjoying herself more than he is. And probably more than Bobby is because she's having this sort of wild and free moment. She's having a really good time. And then when he says to her, we're it not stops. doing another one, it stops now. She looks so disappointed and so like, oh, okay, my fun's over. You're in charge. And so I don't believe that she didn't like it. Yeah. I. And even if she didn't like it, she was enjoying herself with the company she was in. Yes. And he ruined that. So Yeah, and I think... It's one of those, like, it's how he sees it. That is one of those things, though, where I'm like, 
what does this mean like yeah oh yeah but i think this is it if we just focus on these three characters Mm -hmm. you'd learn so much more and that's what i like about company is the fact that we learn enough but we're all because it's real life it's what happens behind closed doors Mm -hmm. we only know when we're part of that company but we don't know what happens next and i really like that like you know real life doesn't have happy endings we also don't get the answers we want in real life and Mm -hmm. i think the show reflects that so during this scene while he's at david and jenny's house uh, when he's saying about you know he's not reluctant to be committed he wants to be committed to somebody yeah all three of his girlfriends appear yeah i and they sing you could drive a person crazy yeah and i really liked that number it's so funny it's supposed to be like andrew sister's style like throwback Mm. them singing about how irritating it is that he's saying to his friends that he doesn't have a commitment problem and that he does want to get married but to his three girlfriends he's not doing that yeah so you've got this really nice like you meet a girl a minute and you've got april a flight attendant kathy and marta he's driving them crazy because they're hinting at marriage but he's not picking it up Mm -hmm. You get the sense that, like, he claims our marriage is resisting me, but it's actually, when everyone else got committed at younger age, he was just like, no, I'm going to have fun, and marriage will come later on, and now it's at the point where he's a, it's more difficult because all the girls that are good are taken. Yeah. I really like how in this scene they lose their composure as it goes on. The thing is, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, and we can see that Kathy is the sort of sweet girl next door. Marta is a bit more younger i'd say yeah yeah she comes across as like a a university student yeah she's more she's cooler than him Mm. oh yeah she's more adventurous than him Mm -hmm. and definitely younger than him yeah definitely way younger than him yeah which we learn later for real yeah it's clear in the scene and then you've got april who is just a flight attendant and apparently that's her only character trait I don't think he said her name at this point. I think he just says a flight attendant, Kathy and Marta. Because I've, I've got April in brackets later on because I've gone back and added her name. Yeah. He doesn't say her name. He's literally just dating a flight he attendant. He says, yeah, this flight attendant. Which is the easiest, like, relationship for someone who doesn't want commitment because you only have to see them, like, once or twice a month, you know? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. I really like how they end to this song with Bobby is a hobby and I'm giving it up. Which is nice because... Yep. They've all ended their relationships with him. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn why later on. But I assume he's dating them all as this show is going on. Mm-hmm. And presumably they all kind of end at the same time. Yeah, so he sees April when she's in town. Marta just sort of sometimes. In between her studies. Yeah, whenever. And Kathy, he seems to like genuinely date. Like but, full time. Yeah. Yeah, Kathy we'll talk about when we get to Kathy's scene because that's, that's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. We get the sinister moment from Dave after this song. She loved it for me. It, it does come across very sinister. Right? Yeah, and he's like, I married a square, remember? And yeah. he says that to Jenny. It's like, sit it's, down, it, tiny it, man. Like, it, it is a very weird, sinister moment. Yeah. Company interlude and they all go to set him up. Mm-hmm. And you get the nice scene that you referred to earlier with all his friends uh, setting him up. They're living yes. vicariously through him. Have a conquest. Tell me all. These Bring are me in the morning. These are definitely girls that they encounter. 
oh, it's going to sound so horrible saying it like it's this. It's girls that they want to sleep they, with. Exactly. They it's yeah. like girls they work with or girls they go to the gym with. Mm-hmm. Somebody that they look at and they fetishize and think about but can't do anything about. You know the song in the last five years, It's Fine? Yeah. Where he's singing about how as soon as you're married, Everyone, the only yeah. girls that are interested in you are girls who wouldn't give you the time of yeah. day before. That's what this song is. Oh, yeah. But this version is them being like, oh, I have someone to like voice them But onto. this is it. Like, it it makes them come across. So obviously, the wives are genuinely trying to set him up. Yes, That's they it. want him to be happy. They want him to get married, but are they doing it because they like a project or because they actually care? Yeah. The men are doing it because 100% they just want to know about that girl that they have looked at and fancy but can't mm. act on themselves, which is really horrible. It's gross, yeah. Yeah, it's really gross. But you also... Sort of at the same time, they would be happy if he was happy. They wouldn't have a problem with it. No, they wouldn't. Have, they'd be They're fine. They're just enjoying the like tiny, tiny bit of freedom that they get to hold yes, on to through him. Exactly. Like they're enjoying or what the, they consider freedom. They're enjoying the ride. Mm-hmm. If it if it's to be great, and they know they're going to score brownie points, mm-hmm. but if it's not, at least they're going to enjoy the roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. So they sing, "Have I got a girl for you?" But. Bobby is waiting for somebody who merges the best features of all of his married female friends. Yeah, and we get that who someone is waiting. He wants a Susan-ish Sarah or a Joanna-ish Jenny. Like, he, I probably mix the wrong ones together. But like, but that's basically his yeah, point. Yeah, but he says those lines and I think He's it's like, really interesting. He's like, I want this thing from her and this thing from her. Which I think is fake because... Like a point that some of his female friends yeah. make is you want to be with somebody who's your friend. Oh, yeah. And who you enjoy spending time with more than just fancying. Yeah. And so looking for like aspects of personality that are also in your friends is a good thing. Oh, yeah. 100%. You know? But at the same time. <laughs> this is the first song where I kind of, I really realised that, hey, this is by the same guy who wrote Sweeney Todd. Because mm-hmm. at this point, I feel like it's a very different Sondheim. It doesn't feel like one of the Sondheim musicals I have seen thus far, which I think is just Into the Woods and Sweeney Todd. But this song, and I don't know if it's just the whole Joanna, Joanna, like makes me think of Sweeney Todd, but this felt... Oh, he's singing Joanne, but yeah, yeah Joanna. This, this song felt like the most Sweeney Todd, I think, of anything in, in company. Yeah. And I like that. I like that we've not got so Sondheim what, being kind of like, every musical is the same. What Sondheims have you seen? Right. That I know of, Into the Woods mm-hmm. and Sweeney Todd. And Gypsy. And Gypsy. I forget he did Gypsy, but he didn't full do Gypsy. Somebody else wrote bits. And he then did he, it with Jules Stein. Yeah. I forget he did Gypsy. So we've seen you, those three. You know West Side Story. Yes. Or in... In the way you, well, like, I mean, you know I, of West Side Story. Well, I mean, Story. I think we've already spoken about it. Like, me going, he did this? Like... Yeah. I'm trying to think. You'll have heard of A Little Night Music. Nope. Okay. Follies? I'm aware of, but not seen. Yeah. Um, Pacific Overtures? Not seen. But you heard of it? Yes. Yeah. Merrily We Will Along? Heard of, not seen. Sunday in the Park with George. Heard of, not seen. Because I had Jake Gyllenhaal. It was supposed to have Jake Gyllenhaal in London. Was it? Yes. Hmm. And apparently it's going to it's gonna go on soon. I've never been hugely into that one. People love it. 
<laughs> Lovely little one. interlude from company here, but you know, let's talk about Sondheim's career. Well, for sure, why not? Because we love him. Yeah. And we're getting a, a West Side Story adaptation yes. of Steven Spielberg, which I'm very excited about. And um, supposedly, there is an upcoming Merrily We Roll Along adaptation cool. in the works. Nice. Just very excited. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I feel like Sweeney Todd and Into the Woods are commercial ones that like you do those projects, mm-hmm. you get your name out there, you get the money that rolls in and then you do a passion project. You do something that the money and the fame allows you to be a little bit more experimental. Yeah. This is his experimental one. You know, it's the same with uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. He's obviously, he he's done his Josephs, he's done his jesus christ superstars which allow him to do starlight express mm-hmm. you know you you do your big crowd-pleasing ones yeah this is his okay i've done my tourist traps i'm now going to do something for me that yeah. excites me i'd you like know? to revisit some stevenson time with you in the future i'd love to revisit into the woods and watch the 1989 version we're really off topic of company. <laughs> We're going to go to, I think, my least favourite song in this number, and that's Another Hundred People. And I feel like that's because I don't really care about Marta. She kind of comes out of nowhere, and we've not had an introduction to her before this kind of, like, number. You know, we've obviously met the friends, and they start doing their songs, and, like, the majority of their songs come at the end of their stories. Mm-hmm. But with this one, we've, we've met Marta as a group of three and we just go straight into another song. And because this song is supposed to serve as the backdrop to, I guess, each of the relationships, it feels weird that Marta sings all of it and not April sings her bit and then shows her scene. Kathy shows her bit and then has her scene. And then it's all from Marta. So I felt at this point we're setting up for Marta to be the final girl you know the person he ends up with yeah i thought it was a very interesting they all choice. get their own song though they do but it just at this point because we're cutting from marta singing to a story of him dating it was mm-hmm. a, a weird choice and i wonder how it would fare if each girl sang their own bits yeah new york city is a city of strangers is marta an outer towner i assume that she's come here for she moved here reason. from like a small town yes and you get this really beautiful backdrop of New York City. Mm. Oh, it was gorgeous. April admits to being very dumb. She thought Radio City was a small city outside of New York, which mm. I think is a great joke. Yeah. And actually, I could kind of understand where somebody it's the sort of thing you hear from. as a kid and just believe. Yeah, know? like it doesn't feel that far-fetched. Mm-hmm. They talk about her male housemate. And Who Bobby is like her sugar daddy. Yeah, he's like, Have you ever been lovers? But she rests, she assures him they aren't. And she just says, I'm very boring. I'm not that exciting. And the end of this scene is great because she just says, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> he's love... waiting for her to say something. She's like, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> I think that's awesome. She She's great. is one of my favorite parts of this. Yeah. And I think Christina Hendricks is phenomenal phenomenal she's as this character effortlessly funny yeah yeah it's not like she's doing a big deal of trying to make herself funny it's not like these yeah. big comedic moments they're comedic moments from small things that just work mm. and i loved her whenever she came on i, I enjoyed april yeah 
Uh, I like that in every scene she's in, she does air hostess hands, mm, which is hilarious. It's such a small touch, but it's such a funny touch. Mm-hmm. We then get a scene with Kathy. Robert wants to go to a party, but Kathy doesn't. She's happy in the park. Yeah, so at this point, they're not actually in a relationship no. anymore. They were in a long-term yes. relationship that ended because Bobby was not interested in committing and she really wanted to be a wife. But which... this is what's interesting, is the way they're standing at this point is so intimate mm-hmm. because like, she's standing and she's hooked up her arm around his and is holding onto his hand. And it looks like a, a, a position of long-term committed lovers. But it's gone from... The whole girl next door trope where they date and they should get married. Yeah. But because that didn't happen, they've broken up and now they're just friends. But he says, how come we never got married? You never asked me. And we yeah, learn... he says, why didn't you ask me to marry you? Yeah, and we learn that Robert thought they would marry in the beginning, but he didn't know she was interested. I refuse to believe that. Yeah. I don't know how accurate I find it. It's almost like he's decided that she was the one who got away and he should have made more of a deal. And it's kind of douchey because he knows that she's in a relationship at this point, I would assume. I don't think he does. So how long has she been with this guy and not telling him? I think they just don't talk often enough. Because remember, this is set before the mobiles. Yeah. But then this is the thing. So like... Is she that into the guy she's going to marry if he was a secret? So this is how I think this went. I think their relationship was like 10 years ago when they were in their 20s. Yes. And that it fizzled out because he never wanted to commit enough because he was busy having fun with his friends who then all started settling down after him and Kathy broke up. Yeah. And he just carried on having fun. And then they somehow got back in touch and talk occasionally, meet each other occasionally, but they aren't, like, friends. But he's tr- he's probably, like, at this point realised she's one that he should have and maybe is trying. Yeah, but he's sort of taught himself this narrative of, oh, you know, we were in our 20s, she didn't really want to marry me. At that point, we were having fun. Mm. And whereas actually... He was having fun and she thought she was in a long-term relationship. Yeah. I just feel like there's something dishonest on her part because... Imagine this the other way around, though. No, I I know. that This, the other way around, is what happened in their 20s. And she's kind of now, they've swapped roles. And Mm. she's now got the power knowing that nothing will happen. Yep. However, you do feel... He was definitely cheating on her. Oh, for sure. Definitely. There's a part of me that wonders the way that she's holding on to him. She wishes she could be with him again. There's a part of me that wonders if, like, they have dabbled since meeting up. And she's like, this is her way of saying it's like, I actually do have someone else and this person wants to marry me. So we do. Yeah, I think it said this this is the last time. Yeah. And I think she's probably been cheating on her fiance. Mm -hmm. And it was only when the marriage proposal happened and she realised, I'm never going to get this with this guy. I guess I'll take my runner-up prize. Yeah. But again, we don't ever see Kathy again, you know, speaking. Mm-hmm. 
so I wonder what's actually happened. Well, here's the other thing. Yeah. She never met any of his friends. No. Who he's known for a very long time, clearly. But none of them know of her. I think you could play this character so interestingly. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is where I love the challenge of performance. Yeah. If you were the actress playing Kathy, you could come up with this entire backstory that influences this scene. And no two Kathys would be the same because it depends on the actor playing that role. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fascinating. Like that as a challenge for a performer to add all this depth. Yeah. Are you, you know, are they having off for the first time now? And is it a case of she's cheating on her fiance, but she's finally got to a point where like he knows, mm. so she's she's made a choice. She's she's marrying, or he's proposed and she's yeah. been like, I should probably stop cheating on him. Now. Or is this revenge for what he did to her? Like has she has she been completely honest with her husband? She's not cheated, but she's strung Robert along. Yeah. Up until this point where it's like clear that he had feelings again and now she's getting that like I got you back moment. Mm, or is this just so. a really wholesome moment? I think it's you, wholesome. Yeah. But that's what I love about this moment, especially in this play. You could do so much with this sequence. Yeah. That I think would really change the performance. And I loved it. Like considering this scene lasts like three minutes. Oh tops. yeah, like I'm putting way more detail in it, but you'd want that kind of challenge as a performer. You've got to make mm-hmm. your minutes count. So she says her favourite place in the whole world is Cape Cod. And she's going there to get married. She wants to live there. Yeah. And I think another thing that layers on top of it is Bobby has no interest in leaving New York. No. Because that would mean being away from all of his friends. And the girls he loves. Yeah. <laughs> so she says about how they they went there one time and he was like, oh yeah, that was great. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to live there now and I'm getting married. Bye. Yeah. I like Marta the least of these girls. Yeah. It, but I feel like that's because she's young mm-hmm. and definitely not. Like, I don't think he's right for any of these girls. I don't think any of them are his forever love. Yeah. But I feel of all of them, Marta is the least. Marta is clearly just some fun that he's having. Yeah. In the worst way possible. Who hooked him up with Marta, do you think? Not Peter. I think it was probably whatever Joanna's husband is called. What is Joanna's husband's job? Do we ever learn? He's rich. Fair. So <laughs> is that a job? Marta probably. came to New York because she wants to be part of the heart of it. Like it's quite pretentious the way she talks about everything. It's like this idealized. She's someone who's grown up watching Broadway musicals and and feels like New York is the place to be. Like she's yeah. Rachel Berry thinking I have to be Her in New York to be thing. successful. Yeah. Her whole thing about like. I, me as a person, I am the heart of New York. Yes. I am what New York is. I stop like, to get to know people. Okay. Regardless of their background, I get to know yeah, people. Yeah, everyone I talk to on the street is my new best friend. And it's yeah. like, sit down, child. I'm too old for this. But she also <laughs> says that she aspires to dress all in black, sit at the end of the bar and cry because that's total sophistication. It's true sophistication. I love it. Yeah. She's watched a lot of movies. Mm. And then... We go to Amy and Paul, mm-hmm. who should be getting married, but Amy's not getting married today. This is the best song in this show. Sure. There are a lot of good songs, and I really enjoyed the songs, but this mm-hmm. is just, you know. This I've, is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, this is definitely unlike anything I've seen Sunbone do, and, and also almost certainly is the one it's like, 
done my Sweeney Todd. I've done my West Side Story. That's what I want that. Yeah. I've done my Into the Woods. I'm going to show you what I've always wanted to do. Mm-hmm. This is torture, but so much fun to watch. There's a fantastic video that you can watch on YouTube where it is Stephen Sondheim teaching an actress how to sing this song yeah. and where to breathe and how to inflect on some of the words and things. And it's so interesting to watch mm. him teach it because he just is in complete control of that whole song. Yeah. Is so It has to be so tight, otherwise it's just not going to work. Yeah, it's just a marvel. Like, it's obviously tremendously difficult for the orchestra as well. Mm-hmm. It just, you watch it and it feels like, I'm not getting married today. Yeah. All those fears that you can imagine having, like that cold feet and everything, like this is all of it represented perfectly. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And poor Paul that's just singing his bits about how much he loves her and yeah. how it's all for her. And What I like is the fact that this is the first story where the woman is the one unsure. Because mm-hmm. at least with all the other ones, you've got the sense of, the men are the ones that don't want to be in these relationships, or at least are the ones like... Long-suffering, yeah. yeah. And it's Amy in this case, because Paul is just perfect. Maybe too perfect, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, There's a really lovely moment in this. Um, So, like, there's some really good interaction. So the way she looks terrified, but she looks at the priest and is like, cut it! And the first bit of interaction with the conductor... She grabs his baton and snaps it on her knee. Yeah. And it's great because his back is to the audience, but you could still just see him laughing. Mm-hmm. That is one of two instances where yeah. there's interaction with the conductor. And it's brilliant. It's, it's so good. It is. Um, oh, and she snaps it and it like flies off into the audience too. Yeah. Violent. I love it. And we get a really nice line from uh, Robert who says, this is a, a much more interesting wedding breakfast than most. Mm-hmm. And we learn that this all stems from a little Catholic rebellion because Paul is Jewish and Amy is Catholic and she's starting to think that I this... Yeah. Well, this is her trying to justify and this is her panicked moment. I don't think mm-hmm. she actually believes yeah, this. None of this is true. It's her brain over-rationalising and being yes. like, I'm doing the wrong thing. Yeah. Uh, like, okay. And she's looking at everything because it is the lack of freedom. Like, she's about to sign her life away. Sure. So she's looking at everything and she's like, you know, this was just supposed to be a rebellious phase. I was never going to be serious with him. Mm-hmm. And then she talks about how, oh, these insufferable notes, which are really sweet notes. He, you know? Yeah, her problem is that he's being too nice to her. And really what he needs to do is just tell her to get over herself. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like that would break her out of it. But he's so nice. And she says that hmm. they're in a hotel. Yeah. So she, she accidentally left the fridge open overnight. And so all she has in the in the fridge is orange juice hot orange juice yeah and she hands it to him and he says thank you for the orange juice and she's like you don't thank people for hot orange juice paul and she also says no one human can cope with all the affection paul yeah he writes i love you notes and sticks them to the back of pillows and things so that when she looks at them she'll find them yeah and it's really sweet it's cute but i feel if that was all the time you would you would either stop noticing it or you would yeah. just feel like this needs to calm down. Yes. And Paul wants Robert, who I assume is his best man. Yeah, Bobby's the best man. Yeah. To tell her to get married. And he's like, uh, I can't. I, can. I have no right. Mm. Which 
He, uh, but however, he is right to stay out of this. Yes, but he only says that because she laughs at Paul for suggesting yeah. that Bobby say something. Yeah, and also because we're also going to get another hint that he's more into her. It's like because he says, you know, he says you can't get married, and she says she doesn't love Paul enough. That's it. So. Uh, Paul asks Robert to call everyone and explain what's going on and leaves. Mm -hmm. And Robert turns to Amy and says, marry me. Marry me instead. And then immediately has his little, what did I just do panic. He says, marry me and everyone will leave us alone. I mean, that is a proposal. Okay. Yep. Fine. Let's get married. Like that's the most romantic proposal. (laughs) Yeah. She of course says no, because it's enough to know. I think, I don't know, does he mean it genuinely? Or is he? I think in the moment in which he says it, he means it. Yeah. And then immediately regrets it and is like, oh no, I didn't mean that. These are my friends. Yes. I want the qualities of this person, but not in my best friends. Yes. And also, it works. Yeah. It jolts Amy out of her so panic. This was it. It's either a case we genuinely mean to, or is this a case of he's actually doing what Paul has asked? No, he meant it in the moment. Yeah. She realises she loves Paul and she goes through with the marriage. Yeah, she says you need to marry somebody, not just somebody. Yeah. Which is great. We love Sondheim and his like emphasis on the meaning of words yes. and emphasis on key words. Yeah. We go to marry me a little, and he's ready now. Mm-hmm. And this is a good place for the intermission, you know. And they bring him his birthday cake again. Yeah. So I feel like everything has led up to this point. Yeah. Yeah. So he's thirty six now. Oh, so it's been a year since the first birthday. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was just everything leading up to that first birthday. So we're, we're that was all thirty four, and we're now back to the start of the show. No. There's three Ooh. birthdays in this show. So he's 35 I at the thought beginning, there were only two in the birthdays. Middle, at the end. Wow. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, we have the interval and we go back and it's his birthday. And he wishes for a wife. And I really love the bit where Patty Lapone is mocking Susan. Yeah, he claims not to have wished for anything again. Though. Yeah, but he he's has. He's with friends like these... So we're going side by side by side. Mm-hmm. And I love the little cane toss at the start. Like that's very much yeah, like we so know. Neil Patrick yeah. Okay. Um I, I like this one. We've gone from one singular sensation, uh, two, three. Um <laughs> and it's like the, the last song in six, you know, where yeah. it's like so I I, I looked at some musical theatre songs here, mm-hmm. and I basically did six, but with Songs going one, two, three, four. So we have one singular sensation. Singular sensation. Mm-hmm. Any little dream will do. Those are not the lyrics. Two by two, we're marching door to door. Because three is company, safe and cheery. For now, everything in life is just for five more minutes. We're six. Okay, that's great, but four <laughs> isn't the number four. I know, that was the joke. But the rest of them are numbers. Yeah, but that that was the joke, because they do that in six. No, I know, but the rest of them are actual uh, numbers. The words are numbers. So you need to find a song that has the word four in it. 
I appreciate your joke. I'm sorry. I, I deliberately did that knowing because that's how six worked. Yeah. That's, that's why I did it. Mm-hmm. I could find one that has four in it. But sure. yeah, this is a, this <laughs> is such, right. So this is such a good song. I, I said how much I think like where, uh, when we have not getting married today, that is the best song. But this is the most fun song. Like this yeah, is so just this is phenomenal. The, this is what they taught them individually. Yeah. And then they had like one day of rehearsal to do this all together. So we have side by side by side with what would we do without you that then goes back to a mini reprise of side by mm. side by side. It's so good. This song is nearly 10 minutes long. Oh, as a sequence. It's incredible. And it basically is just like, hey, I'm a third wheel and I'm okay with that because mm-hmm. you've got, you know, standing at the altar side by side with the third party. Mm-hmm. Like, Bobby's already married to five couples. Yeah. Like, you know, he doesn't need to be married. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing from How I Met Your Mother where it's like, you guys are in the most codependent relationship I have ever seen. Yeah. And you need to sort your lives out. <laughs> yeah. We also get a chorus line reference. Yep. Good job we watched that last week. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, that would have gone right over my hat. Yeah, we have a nice chorus line reference where they will have their little hats in What Would We Do Without You? Yeah. And they do the, the little chorus line walk. But this is the thing. Like, I feel at this point especially, they all want him married, but I think they don't know how much they're going to struggle without him. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen how how much they need him just as much as he needs them. Almost if not more. more, yeah. Because like, sometimes... In this, it feels like he's humouring them. Yes. When he's doing things for them. Like watching Sarah and Harry wrestle again, kind of humouring them until it's not funny anymore. Yes. And then Peter and Susan, he is saying all the right things and being like, oh yeah, well, you know, don't ever let her go. But if you did, I'd marry her until it's like, oh, well, she's available now. Yeah. And he's like, uh, no. Yeah, you know? it's like he'll talk a big game until it's actually there. Like, yeah. I feel like act two is where he really becomes Barney Stinson. I don't think it's that obvious in act one. I think in act one, he's quite like nice, more humble. Yeah. And it's here where it feels more noticeable. You know, this big number that he's leading, it's the most over the top number he has done so far. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, look at me. It's a big it's a big show and dance, which is what Barney does. Yeah. So without saying that he's being Barney Simpson, yeah. essentially the criticism that this show gets a lot is that how can you have a likable main character who's such a misogynist? And how can we as an audience of, you know, all genders be expected to like this man yes. when this is how he treats women? And even when it comes to his female friends, he looks at them as pieces of this puzzle that will make mm-hmm. up the perfect woman for him. Yeah. And I feel like that is an excellent narrative. Oh, it is. It's a really it's good observation. And Yeah. But it doesn't help when you have Neil Patrick Harris playing the character and we're like, but it's Barney and we love him. Well, this is it. And I don't think it's so bad in the first half. Yeah. But at this point, so we, we get the into... The first half is setting the seeds yes. for this. But we're, we're now going to have a scene where Alice comes over. I did not think that Bobby would be the sort of person that would have mirrors... Who's Alice? ...on his ceiling. That's the flight attendant. Her name's April. Is it? Yeah. Why did I write... <laughs> Just like Alice. 
I don't know why I write. I literally just scrolled back through my notes to try and find which of his friends is Alice. So he invites April over. That is an excellent physical drama joke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, he hasn't got any kind of personality that would suggest that would be like something he'd have in his bedroom. Other than that, he sleeps around a lot and has a lot of girls over. Yeah, but even then, it doesn't feel like something that you'd have associated with that character. Sure. And I, I, I think that's I think a it's choice. A throwaway joke. It, but it is. But I think the problem with that is it's a throwaway joke that maybe works with someone else playing mm-hmm. Bobby. But this throwaway joke is very much, hey, look, he's the womanizer in How I Met Your Mother. This is something Barney would do, yeah. especially with the pull-out bed. That's a joke. I, in, I know, but that's a joke that you know Barney has a bed that can literally like remove his conquests. Yeah. So there's a lot of these things that I think would work without drawing comparisons if it was a different actor. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to complain. It's not me criticizing it. It just yeah. You know. So April is doing her great flight attendant hands again, which I think is endlessly funny. But I also love that, true to who we've met already, she has nothing interesting to say no absolutely nothing she's like it's so darling everything about it is darling yeah look at this and then she goes up and is looking at the conductor and we get neil patrick harris like oh yeah i've never looked at that before and she goes, like pokes it this is so precious what is because oh, i've never noticed and pushes and that yeah the yeah. second interaction with the conductor she said she can't believe that he designed it himself and made it so homely yeah and then he they have the whole back and forth where it's like, oh, well, I did do it. Oh, no, you didn't. You can't have. Well, I did do it. Mm. Oh, no, no, you can't have. And he says, why? Did you hear from someone that I didn't? And she's like, oh, you're such a kidder. But I think the great thing about this scene is it really captures that kind of like, you are dating and you're you're at that point where you're ready to settle down and you're dating people who just aren't compatible with mm-hmm. you. And, like, you're really trying to make it because there's a physical attraction or whatever. And you just know in the back of your mind, you're like, this isn't the one. Yeah. And I'm not... It, two, three, four, five years ago, I'd have been quite happy in this. Mm-hmm. But now, I'm not happy to compromise. Yeah, and, and I think he's that, clearly not interested in dating her. Yes, and I think it's a really interesting and a very well-written sequence. Yeah, so... She starts telling this story yes, about an ex who she wasn't really interested in gave her a cocoon. Which is creepy. Yeah, because he was a lepidopterist, I think they say, or an entomologist. But I think he's, you know, a butterfly person. And he's like, oh, yeah, in two days you'll you'll wake up and there'll be a butterfly in your room, which sure great it's gonna die anyway if it's in my flat but you know and she says she has a cat and the cat will just kill it so she puts it up on top of a dresser somewhere somewhere tall yeah thinking the cat won't get it and then one day it she looked at it and there was nothing there but there's a great joke so she says she put it up there left it came back later that day checked it was still there realized oh it's okay because the cat didn't get to it which i just thought cool yeah, then the guy rings her one morning and is like, you should have a butterfly today. So she goes and looks. But he also mentions there'll be a little bloody spot as well. Yeah. Which like, okay, that's not romantic. And she she says, yes, I saw that the coon was empty. And I saw the blood and 
no butterfly. So where's the butterfly? And then she turns and she sees it. And then the cat gets it. Yeah, it's only got one wing because the yeah. cat got it. Mm-hmm. And I love the way she kind of ends the story. So I, I took it outside and I, I put it on a rose. It was summer then. Yeah, the way, her little inflections are so yeah. boring and it's amazing. It is because it's like you're ta- and you can just see that Bobby is struggling through this story. Yeah. He's listening because he's really trying. He's really trying. This girl is he just wants nice. Her to show up. Yeah. And then she talks about how she rang her ex back and he was so angry about this because yeah. it was supposed to be a nice gesture and so he says it's a living creature how could you do this like this is your fault it's a living thing and she's like i'm a living thing too yeah and then she hangs up and she never spoke to him again yeah and, <laughs> and that's the end of that boring story it's a really good monologue again though like yeah. just so well performed but you know bobby reaches into the playbook to get the night back on track and then he tells a worse story. A really worse story. Because um, she claims that the stories kind of follow. And he's like, do they? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, so his story is that he he was going to have sex with this girl. Should I say have sex? Or should Go I? for it. It's what he says. Yeah, he says he's going to have sex. He was going to have sex with this girl at a party. And she took him to a motel and was like, do you know what we need? We need champagne and strawberries and... Massage oil. Yeah, baby oil. Yeah. And so he goes out in the night to find these things. He collects his key items that he needs to fulfil his quest and then drives back to where he thinks the motel is and and realises that he has no clue where he is. He doesn't know which motel it was and he drove around for three hours trying to find it which I, I would have given up way sooner than that. Especially because he doesn't actually know this girl. No. And, yeah, then April says, oh, yeah, those stories aren't related at all. Oh, wait, unless you think that that girl who was waiting for you and never knew that you drove around for three hours trying to find her, she's the broken butterfly. And he's like, sure thing. Sure thing. Shut no. up. <laughs> Take that blouse off. Yeah. What's interesting is we get the song Poor Baby over top of this. but It is so creepy. But it is, but you've got the wives singing mm. and they're clearly worried about Bobby alone. Yeah, he's they think not he's alone, single. though. Yeah. And this is it. They think he's single and he's not. And they're, they're clearly up all, all night, like worrying. I'm going, oh, but he, he's, he's probably alone and bored. Mm. And oh, we should ring him and check in and see if he's company. And the guys, are, you know, like, they're, yeah. they then come in and it's like, however, they want the gossip. This is where I think this part is happening in Bobby's head. Yes, yeah. Because they start to say, they start to point out her qualities, Mm -hmm. not good ones. Yes. And they are saying that, basic, I, so what I think is happening is, Bobby's thinking about all of her bad qualities, all of the things that he doesn't like about this girl, but he's hearing it from people who have the opposite of those qualities so we have isn't she a little bit well dumb tacky vulgar old tall aggressive where is she even from and she's tall enough to be your mother yeah from all of his friends who are the opposite of all of those well so this is it is they're kind of like his conscience and it's like no one compares to them but he goes through it anyway yep and then we get the tiktok prodigal i really liked kind of the whole tasteful this scene was done between them as they go under the sheets like it wasn't very like sims yeah and i we know what's going on here and 
you know, I wouldn't say it was sexy or titillating. I think it was a means to an end. And I think it was very tastefully done. You know, like Christina Hendricks has got like a full on like nightgown. So when like her blouse and her skirt come off, she's basically wearing like a full length nighty. It's not like she's reduced to... Oh, the slip, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's not like they've reduced it to costume design of her being in a really sexy bra and knickers. Like, mm-hmm. And I like that. I think they that's a very deliberate choice that they've done. Yeah. And I'm much happier with this version where, you know, we've got this flight attendant, but she's a normal, vulnerable person underneath. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was quite interesting because it could have gone the other way. And I'm sure there are versions where... It has gone the other way. Yeah. One of my favourite things is, obviously, I saw the London cast of this, where Bobby yeah. is a woman and April is a man. Yeah. And... That really would be interesting to it's watch. It's so interesting yeah. because he's... It's it's taken differently when it's the guy that's dumb. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It, gender politics and representations, like... That would be so interesting to right? watch. Because it's presented exactly the same way. Yeah. They don't change anything. And you would expect the other way around. And I think in films and TV and stuff, it's presented that it is easier for a woman to convince a man to sleep with her than it is for a man to convince a woman to sleep with her. Yeah. Which is the narrative here, is that he's having a hard time getting her to be quiet and sleep with him. And you would think that if you swap the genders round, it would just be Bobby being like, okay, sleep with me now. And the guy being like, yes, please. Standing but it's up and not, just it's exactly. away trousers. Yeah, it's exactly yeah. the same. And I like that. I'd be great. really interested in seeing that. Mm-hmm. This dance sequence is amazing. I really love the silhouettes behind the sheets. Mm-hmm. This is where Ariana DeBose. Yes, this shows is where up. she shows up. I just really liked it. Like, as a dance number, it's great. Now, in my mind, I was trying to figure out where did this work? Because Kathy is, like, the lead of this number. So, is this him... Is this him thinking of Kathy Mm. instead? Or does this literally just represent a string of conquests? So, what it's supposed to be is Kathy as this sort of up-on-a-pedestal conveyance of the emotion and dynamic of sex yeah and so i think that's what he's picturing in his head i think he's thinking about kathy but it also can be taken any way you want because this scene is just a a dance sequence but this is it it's very much this could be a montage of months worth of conquests or weeks worth yeah of a a bunch of different girls that he's sleeping with and it doesn't change this scene dramatically i like the the next morning yeah, so we have Where Alice the, tries to sneak out and we get Barcelona. Song. You could have Alice again. <laughs> Where April tries to sneak out. Do you know what my favourite thing is? That you keep getting her name wrong and we have a great moment in this following scene where he calls her July. Yeah. And she's like, it's April. It's Yeah. So yeah, she does try to sneak out and we get Barcelona and she sings, no, you're angry. No, I'm not. And this whole sequence... I don't know why she's decided that he's angry. Yeah, it, I feel like the transformation is now complete. I'm watching Barney Stinson. This is an episode of How I Met Your Mother, mm. which I know I keep referencing, but this is what it feels like. He's like he's had he's had the fun, and it's like two times you'll be polite, you know, come back to bed, and then the third time, like, good, she's done. I'm going, I'm going to sleep now, and he he feigns interest in her to the point it backfires on him quite 
like spectacularly so she's leaving he's trying to be nice and she's like no i've got to work i'm going to barcelona and he's like okay drops her clothes and goes back in and he's just like uh-oh and it, you it's know just the, he's just a misogynist yeah the, yeah it is completely it's like just the same character which is a shame because i don't feel he was so bad during act one it's like now he's decided he wants a wife he's worse it is the difference between him around his friends, where he's yeah. a helpful, useful member of society, and him on his own, where he sucks. That's true. That's fair. I guess we didn't get many dates. We got, like, interludes of dates, but we didn't get, like, the ending of the dates. So mm-hmm. that's that's fair. Yeah, so Bobby keeps saying, oh, come back to bed, come back to bed. And April's like, no, I can't. I have to go to work, you know, like, whatever. And he's like, okay, I'm going back to sleep. Go. I'll see you later. Whatever. And because he tells her to go, she's like, okay, I've changed my mind, I'm saying. Yeah, and he, yeah, he, he calls her June, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> we go to a scene where he introduces Marta to Peter and Susan, but they call her Kathy. They then call April. Her Ka- yeah. And then a lot more a names. A bunch of names. And we learn that they did get divorced, but they're still living together. Peter flew to Mexico yes. to get the divorce. And because it was so nice where he stayed, he called Susan and was like, hey, you should come down. It's great here. Yeah. Bring the kids. And they are so much more married now than when we were married. And I like that this has kind of worked out. That It's almost like they are, they're still in love and they always want to be together and they're still together. But the pressure of having the label of married was too much for them. And now that they're not married, it feels a lot freer. Yes. Yeah, so it's interesting. Gay. Yeah. Obviously, yes. That was going to be my next point is, but there's a bit more to this story. A great commentary that I've seen on this is that they have somehow inadvertently ended up in a Will and Grace situation. Yes. Without meaning to. Where because when Peter was young, you just weren't openly gay. Yes. He either didn't have access to any kind of education about it. Or he just saw the way that everybody else acted and was like, guess I have to get married and have some kids. So he fulfilled his, you know, quote unquote manly duties and did that. And now that he's an adult and he sees how open people are about their sexualities, he's like, Dan, I should have done that. Like, why didn't, why wasn't I like that? Yes. And he starts the conversation off by saying to Bobby, have you ever been with a man? And Bobby says, yeah. Or like you know fooled around or so yeah he says yeah and we kind of i always took from that that he's just bi yeah i took that's exactly what i took from it as well as the fact that like yeah because he doesn't even just say yeah he says yeah of course like mm. who hasn't yeah as if that's completely normal and um, peter obviously it is that's not what i mean but also like, shows he's into men and he's very into bobby but bobby doesn't reciprocate i know it's really and sad. it becomes more uncomfortable at the end it feels like a footnote to a joke. It kind of doesn't develop the way I was hoping it would. Yeah. Like Bobby showing great discomfort and kind of like, oh, well, I thought you were just joking and like walking off, which with Neil Patrick Harris playing Bobby, I kind of felt like that's that was a weird choice. I agree. Yeah. However, I... Because I just took... Every version of this I've watched where I've taken from it, oh, they're just by. Yeah great i then assume that the reason why he's so uncomfortable is because it's one of his best friends yeah 
And like, if one of your best friends turned around to you right now and propositioned you, I feel like, especially because he's starting to think about marriage. Yeah. You would just be like, no. Yeah. Like, you you would assume they were kidding. So I, I want to think about it that way. Yeah. But then also it could just be misogynistic. Exactly. And, kind of and it's very, very, yeah, it's very, very weird. I don't think it is homophobic. I don't think that's where it comes from. Mm. I think it comes from a, like you say, that it just, depending on who watches it, depending on who reads it, it could be. Yeah, it depends yeah. on how you want to take it. We finally get Patty LePone. Yeah. It's so... a moment of peak, like, focal point. Mm-hmm. So we get Joanne and Larry. Yeah. Which Larry is, her, is Joanne's third very rich husband who is dancing with teenagers. It's so interesting because they're the last couple you'd have expected to be in this situation, mm-hmm. which I really like. Like every other couple is like married with kids or settled at home and having a boring night in. Yeah. The last couple you'd expect is the older couple. And I love that that's the choice they made. Yes. And we also learn from Larry that they are only here at this nightclub because of Bobby. Because they only come to see Bobby. So we get this really nice kind of... So whilst Larry's dancing, we get more depth to, to Joanna. And she talks about her first husband who moved to Chicago. Where's that? And she realised that she was not going to ever leave New York City. Like Bobby, she's staying there. So she broke this marriage up. Yeah. And she's making fun of Larry and just mocking him and... Because she's know, drunk. Demanding drinks and... I'm being quite obnoxious, but, like, in a way that, like, she's a diva. So, like, Mm -hmm. it's her eccentricity. And we go to Ladies Who Lunch, which is... I love this song. Oh, my God. So amazing. Like, she does just have such an amazing voice. I'm not... I know I'm not going to be the first person to ever say that. Like, (laughs) Patti Lapone is such a superstar. Yeah. And this, this number's great... Like, and the fact that like, she's singing with, like, her vodka. Yeah. And it's just powerful. So the, her singing this song, she's criticising rich, middle-aged and older women who waste their lives on, like, meaningless hobbies. Yeah. And not on, like, their friends and stuff. But the last part of this song where she's saying... Like, here's to the ladies who just watch. Yeah. And she's talking about herself. Yeah. And how she's not happy with her life. She doesn't do anything. She's, like, her whole life is her just watching other people have a life. When she could have done more, yeah. And knowing that she'll just die at yeah, some point. Yeah, she says point, meant to. Time. Yeah. Story of your life. And it is really mm-hmm. sad. And it... Larry's the most long-suffering husband. He is. I just think it's such a... Considering the way it's built up with all of her little inserts and Mm -hmm. observations, that's not the kind of raw approach you were expecting this character to take. I did love, and I really did appreciate the front row was in her splash zone. (laughs) So funny. And luckily she hadn't finished the first string, so Mm -hmm. she just go back to that one. She's quite aggressive as a drunk, but, you know, Larry yawns and he's ready for bed. And he mentions, as he gets up to leave, and he says this in front, he says, you realise she doesn't act like this when you're not around. She's terrific. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, one day I hope you get to meet Joanna. She's a really nice girl. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's it's essentially this is all an act. Mm. She only does this for you because she thinks this is what you need. Yeah, it's almost like she's the wingman, mm-hmm. and she probably goes home and is is saying to Larry, "It's like I just wish we'd find him someone nice, and we could we could do this." Yeah, was this because when she appears in Poor Baby, mm. that is what she's saying. Yeah, but it's a really nice thing, and it's you know. Mm. So Larry goes off to. He says he's going to the bathroom. But he's going to pay. He's going to pay the check. And Bobby hates it because he's like, I know he's rich, but let me pay for myself. This is him really like broken at the end, it seems. Mm -hmm. Like he's just like, all his pursuits for marrying haven't worked and he's just giving up again. Yep. And he's just like, I don't care. And he's angry at the world as well. Yeah. And he's very much, he's the lady who lunches. He wants something and he could have done so much more, but he's left watching Mm -hmm. everyone be married. Yep. And Joanne... Is staring at him and he's like, You need to stop. Why are you staring at me? Stop staring at me. Like, what do you want me to say? What are you expecting from me? And then she's just like, We should have an affair, <laughs> basically. Yep, tomorrow, whilst Larry's at the gym. Yeah, 2 p.m., come on over. I'll take care of you. And he says, But who will I take care of? And it's the lightning strike yeah. moment where suddenly, even he looks really shocked that that came out of his mouth because Joanne is like, uh, about time. <laughs> yeah. And she says, did you hear that? A door unlocked. And she tricked him into mm-hmm. being honest with himself. Yeah. And I'm glad because after, especially after what Larry had just said, I was like, oh God, please don't say that Larry's like in love with a false idea. Because Larry seems really nice as well. He seems like a sweet. And yeah, she's just tricked him into being honest to himself. Yeah. He says he's looked in, uh, Bobby, I mean, says he's looked into all that marriage and all that. And what do you get? And at this point, he's so mad. Yeah. And he properly, Larry comes back to like what's happening. And Bobby shouts, what do you get again? Joanne says, I just did someone a big favor. And then they leave. Yeah. And we go to being alive. Mm -hmm. I love this song. Yeah. Because we get, we get another cacophony of noise and you can see. Yeah. And he says, stop. Yep. It's that I feel smiling and he's finally breaking it. Mm-hmm. His friends, his conscious, you know, I don't think they're actually there. It's his, this image in yeah. his mind of them pressure. They, they coax him to make a step forward. Mm-hmm. He says he was hurt. And I wonder by who. Was it Kathy? Himself. Yeah. But, you know, Any again, hurt is his own doing. Exactly. But there's there's more to his character. Like, I really would like to see... You want a backstory? I, I, I don't want a backstory. I just want to see... I want to see more for him and Kathy because we only get one scene with them and then we get her in the dance TikTok moment. Mm. Could we get a scene that showed them breaking up and then a scene with them getting back to, you know, like just something. I'd like to kind of know that. But he says he's ready now. Yeah. And the final thing, clearly, I've just learned this half an hour ago. It's his 37th birthday. Yeah. I assumed it was his 36th. So during this song, he goes from the beginning of it where he starts singing where he's answering his own question. He's saying, what do you get? And you get somebody who sits in your chair and who crowds you and who eats your food and drinks your drinks and all of these things. His version of sorry, grateful. And he's saying it as somebody who will do those things to you. And then it changes and gets softer and he's saying, somebody please do these things to me. Because yeah. I need this now yeah and he just wants to be loved even with the problems that comes with it and it's yeah. cute 
So it's 37th birthday and all his friends are waiting for a surprise party. He's been party. waiting for two hours to see if he'll show up. And then they just look around and they're like, we should go. Yep. He do- And he doesn't need them anymore. And I, w- I was like, okay, has he found somebody? And is he actually spending his birthday with a partner? No. He's been waiting. He's done his own thing and he's gone back. He's been waiting silence. for them to leave. Yeah. Basically. And yeah, there's no happy ending to this one, but we feel like a chapter has closed mm-hmm. and the future lies ahead of him. And sometimes that's as good, if not better, than a happy ending. Yeah. Because it's more real. And I like that. I I like it when we, we get a touch of reality of things like this. Mm. You know, I don't want to feel like everything's conclusive and happy. I like I like to just, you know... I like to imagine the world going forward. Yeah. So, company. That's a good one. Well, who, glad that you liked it. Who is your MVP in this one? Uh, I mean, can I say Stephen Sondheim? <laughs> I, I do think Stephen Sondheim. Would you Sondheim. like to know for why? Go for it. Because there is not a version of anything he's ever done where he's done a concert and not been like, hey, let's have some set. <laughs> let's not just do this as a concert. I It won't work as a concert. I want to see set. I want to see a dance sequence. I want to do this. We're not cutting yeah. anything from my music. We're going to do the whole show. <laughs> it's just, I love it. It's great. There's a, there's a, there was a concert called Sondheim at 60. Yeah. Which I really like. But again, it was literally, they were doing excerpts from all of his shows and you know the girls for um west side story all came out in costume and when they did sweeney todd there was a whole like comedy backline to it where the actors were like fighting over who got to play sweeney and like yeah. it's a it oh go big or go home steven sondheim Fair. i love it i i do think you know I did say Neil Patrick Harris was my MVP here because I do think he does a really good job carrying these and going into very different modes for for each of the characters. But I do also want to say April, even though I couldn't get her name right. I think Christina Hendricks did such an amazing job. Isn't she just so funny? And yeah, there's so much of so little. And I'm going to say she's like honourable mention, I think, Mm. because I do think. Neil Patrick Harris is phenomenal and obviously Patti Lapone's extraordinary Christina Hendricks I didn't expect to be as good as she was in this mostly because I know she's a great actor I mm-hmm. didn't know she could sing yeah so yeah honourable mention to her what's your best song I know you ask me these questions every week I'm never prepared because I have too many yeah oh I know this one's a very head. difficult one because I think I there think are so many good songs honourable mention to side by side by side yes. and what would we do without you not getting married today is my second favorite song mm-hmm. specifically because of the way it's performed and how ridiculously talented you have to be to yeah. sing that but being alive is just i love it i i did say my best song was ladies who lunch because i think it's just beautiful and mm-hmm. patty lapone smashed it Mm-hmm. I'm also going to add like you say second is, is I'm not getting married just because like you have to be talented to do that one yeah 
and watch a skip song. Either poor baby. Make it... It's kind of gross, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's kind of weird. A little bit gross. Or I guess TikTok. I because I, that's if it, I was listening to the album, yeah. not in the show. Yeah. But if I was listening to the album, I would skip. I would always skip an intro instrumental because the only time i listen to soundtracks is in the car yeah. and i want to be able to sing yeah and you said that's why you wouldn't want i'm not getting mad because you can't sing to it but no i like that yeah, i know i know but try like... and sing along to that song but for me it's another hundred people i just thought it was kind of like boring yeah who would you want to play april a hundred thousand percent. I did. She's so funny. Yeah, I, I, I think she's great. I, I would like to play Bobby. I think, mm. I think, like I said about Kathy, there's a lot that you could do with thinking about how you play Bobby. Yeah. You know, if you wanted to go Stanislavski and Method, which doesn't work with this show because it's not a naturalistic show, but you could flesh out the character Bobby in your mind and work with the director and think about why is he still single at 35? Yeah you know and you why could, is he like this yeah and i think you could do a good job and i think that would really influence how you play him mm-hmm. he's a complicated character to get in with i'd certainly be eager to try and lose the misogynistic aspect but i don't know how you do that i think there's a like i say there is a line during being alive where he says he was hurt mm-hmm. and i think that's the key to it that you you focus on this is a character who met a girl who thought he was going to get married to this girl yeah. This girl broke his heart. Or something. Or something. Mm. And as a result of that point, he's just on a constant rebound. And whereas for a lot of people, maybe that rebound lasts a year, he's been rebounding and he's met good girls. But because he's been in rebound mindset, he missed out on them as well. And it's just become a prolonged thing. Yeah. I, I, I think that's one way you could play the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I, I would want it. to play Bobby. Yeah. I don't think any, in the nicest way possible, any of the other male characters have as good a time. No. No, and I think Larry would be fun to play, you know, for an older actor. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to dance really badly and then you get that nice moment. It's like, I wish you got to meet the real Joanne someday. Yeah, like Larry's whole thing is just really cute. And you yeah. get the feeling there's a lot more to him as well because the fact that he's willing to say that in front of her. Oh, yeah, because it seems like she's the one who owns the relationship and actually know. Yeah. She owns it publicly, but behind closed doors, they're very equal, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 I liked this show. Uh, Ask Twitter for a few responses. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, uh, we got some we got some nice responses. Mm-hmm. So we got at Marley is dead pod said Patty's ladies who lunch is bomb. It is bomb. Is that a good thing? I think so. Sure. And then we got friend of the podcast Elena at Miss Unscore Elena. OMG! I literally just watched this recently and was obsessed. Great casting. Patty's superb, and so is MPH. Mm-hmm. I think the success of this show does come a lot from the casting, even if it can sometimes be distracting. I'd be curious to see this, like you've said, with the the genders reversed. Yeah. I think that'd be really, really interesting. 
and I like that this show can be changed and can be updated quite a lot. Yeah. I think this is certainly a show that could never work as a film. Mm-hmm. That's not a bad thing. You know, I, I think too many people pin their, like, hopes on someday having a film version. And obviously that's because of marketability. It means more people can access something, which, fair, I'm, I'm on board with. But this is a different medium. Yeah. You know, some books, some graphic novels, they work as films. They work as TV shows. Mm-hmm. And some musicals work as movies. But some are designed to just be books. Some are designed to just be musicals. Yeah. And I don't think this would work as a movie. I think it very much, it would have a a cat's-esque response in terms of, you know, you wouldn't have the weird CGI, but I think people would, would openly critique it. And I think you'd have to do what a chorus line did and make a lot of changes that people who like company wouldn't like I gave this four stars I thought it was great cool. and it's one that I'd really like to see more of I think it's slow at times mm-hmm. which I don't mind you know it, it's thought provoking um, like I've said I think the casting sometimes became an issue but that's a very minor gripe I think yeah. maybe they've added jokes for Neil Patrick Harris that maybe shouldn't have been, and I think that's the direction issue more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, so they did go through and update things that are out of date, like yeah. references and things, but I don't think there's anything hugely recognisable in there. Yeah, I, I had a great time, and I like I say, this is one I could watch again mm-hmm. with different performers. I'd be very interested to see how these characters how these dynamics change depending on your cast. Yeah. So yeah, good company was had. Good. I'm glad. What are we looking at next week? Next week we are jumping back in time in plot, not so much in stage show, to watch Billy Elliot, the stage musical from 2014. Now this one doesn't star Tom Holland. No, this one doesn't star Tom Holland. However, I believe that this is the anniversary performance in which they bring out all of the previous Billy Elliot, which means that Tom Holland might be in it, but not as Billy. So, kind of to break the mould a little bit of this show is I have seen the first half of this. How much of it do you remember? Well, I mean, I, I can tell you plot-wise. I'll actually be able to tell you a little bit about what the plot is next week for once. Yeah. Um, but this was a lazy day of teaching at the end of the summer where it's like, we're going to put a DVD on. You have this on DVD? At school. Oh my God, okay. So I'm, you know, I've always wanted to see the end of this one. I hear it's a tearjerker. Mm. But there's a song that goes, Solidarity, Solidarity! solidarity forever yeah, that makes me cry i think you're gonna cry a lot i cry week. a lot yeah this that's gonna be fun this is one i've wanted to kind of rewatch and watch properly yeah for a while so it'd be nice to actually talk as well about a show that i can make solid assumptions and tell you what the plot is and yeah i think it'll be a fun one as well i think you know some of my favorite jokes are in this yeah. show <laughs> i i i I much prefer when we talk about a show and I really enjoy it. You know, as fun as it might be to 
talk about a show like Descends or Kinky Boots where I feel like there are problems. Yeah. At some point we're going to be walking on sunshine and yeah. that would be great to talk about. I like it when I have a show that I can gush yeah. positively about. And I hope, and I really think Billy Elliot will be that show. Yeah. But we will see. And you will see next week. You can join us as usual on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Stitcher, and Amazon Music and Podbean. Make sure you subscribe so you're notified of any new episodes. And hey, if you like what we do, leave us a review. We have a really nice five-star review this week, which I've not actually shared with Drew yet. I'm going to do after we finish recording because it made my day when I logged on and saw it. So, hey, help make my day. And, and leave us a positive review and get in touch if you like the show if you liked company or you want to tell me more about the show or tell me something about Billy Elliot you can get involved in the conversation on Twitter and Instagram at It's A Musical Pod let us know your thoughts and like this week and last week we will shout out your views on the shows we discuss we love it when people talk to us we do we've we've made some really nice new friends on twitter lately you know shout out to jared good who has always been one of our favorites and has always been great at you know getting in touch with us but i've also really enjoyed contact with elena who we shouted yes. out in this episode miss underscore elena who is fantastic yeah so it. get in touch it makes our days and until next week, where you can find our same bat place, same bat channel. Have a magical musical Monday. We hope you enjoyed our company. <laughs>